Hi, uh, welcome to Movie Butts. I'm Arnie Joan. This is Dane. Hello. This is a movie podcast where we do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of a topic. Those topics include things like fucking directors, producers, studios, franchises. What else do we fucking do, Dane? What are some other fucking topics? Uh, movies featuring fruit. Uh, movies where an owner, like uh, like a rich guy, turns into an animal and he has to bond with his child. You know, topics like that. Yeah, t- very, very. Um, yeah, I found out that there's a genre uh, called non exploitation movies today. Uh, a very specific seventies thing where it's about right. nuns in convents dealing with their sexuality, and it's got a whole right. Wikipedia page about it. So I recommend you go and read that. Yeah. Um, how it fucking works is, you know, we, um, we fucking, we, we pick this topic and then, you know, I, I go through that topic. Th- those topics are thing, you know, like hypothetically speaking, uh, like the directing efforts of Ben Affleck, we put it into a spreadsheet and then I average out the, the different elements that have been put in the spreadsheet. Those are things like Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, Metacritic, the box office, the budget. And then, you know, the math does not lie. There is math for a reason in the world. Math is the universal language. And it tells us what is the best and what is the worst. Um, What was our topic this week, Dane? And what movies did we watch? Uh, We watched the best and the worst of the first 10 years? Just the 80s output. Oh, 80s output of... Brian Cox? Is that his name? <laughs> I Is it Cox? Dane, Dane, Dane. Your your level, your absolute amazing attention to detail and level of enthusiasm and effort that you put into this blows my mind. Um, I watched and, and, I, and I don't want you to be any other way. Uh, it, his name's Alex Cox. Um, right. that's the that's the director. What were the what were the two films in the in the category? We watched Walker. Yep. Uh, and we watched Repo Man. I was about to call it Garbage Man. That would have annoyed the shit out of you. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yep. <laughs> we watched Repo Man, but I don't know which one was the best and which one was the worst. Because you know, can spoiler, I just say, they're both pretty good. Yeah. Can I just say I'm happy that that's the way you feel, and that and you know people might be listening right now and be like, Joe sounds incredibly enthusiastic right now, and the reason is I am excited to talk about these two films. I had. The best fucking time with these. I think, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think this was a cool little pick on my behalf because mm-hmm. it's different. They're interesting. They're unique. You know what I mean? Um, the best is the best is Repo Man. Um, it, it's his only movie to actually make any form of fucking money. Um, it's got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It got four stars from Roger Ebert when it came out. It got unanimous praise you know it's yeah like you know some of its audience scores are a little lower but you can understand that some people might not understand like not that there's anything to understand but you know like there are movies that like are a bit different a little bit out there and a little bit weird and that like freaks people out and they automatically hate it yeah it's one of those Mm -hmm. films but if you get it you get it and if you do you'll fucking have a great time walker uh, his 1987 movie. This this motherfucker burnt out like a, a, a fucking match doused in gasoline because, you know, his first like proper feature film was 1984 
and he was shunned and destroyed by the industry by 1987 with his release Walker, a movie that was made for, I'm pretty sure, like not not a modest amount, like like six million dollars for an indie film is you know quite a bit of money, and it made two hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars. On the flip side of the fucking argument, Roger Ebert gave this movie zero stars. So he went from four stars to zero stars. This movie ruined Alex Cox's fucking career in Hollywood. Ever since then, he's been like... If you go onto his Wikipedia page, it says fucking more than anything, right? You have... You know, the main category, which is Hollywood and major studio productions. And then after that, it says his Mexican period. Then it's his Liverpool period. Then it's his micro-feature period. This guy has been unable to find a home in the industry ever since Walker came out. Um, mm. So, yeah, this film fucking was hated. To a point where both of us can, at- can attest to how easy was it to find this film, Dane? It was the hard... Like- we often have experiences of um, having a very hard time finding particular movies. This one was impossible. This was like, impossible almost to find. impossible. It was so difficult. Like, it's not fucking anywhere. It's to the point where, like, if you type in the name of a movie and the year it came out in any sort of movie platform or anything like search engine... um usually it will come up. It will be one of the first things to come up. Walker, 1987, if you type that into any sort of search engine, sometimes it doesn't even fucking come up. It is that buried by history that this film may as well not exist. And that fucking depresses me, right? Because it's fucking good. It's really good. Although it is in the... Criterion collection. It I'm is. Pretty sure. It is. So like, you can get you, it on DVD. Yes, but also fucking Armageddon's in the Criterion collection, Dane. <laughs> so like, I don't know what Criterion I'm just saying that it's, means. It's nice that it's nice that it hasn't been completely disposed of. Sure. And I think that. I mean, are we gonna? Get into Walker first, or no? Well, let, let, you know, like I think we kind of forgot about it last time, but. Um, do you mind giving a bit of a pot description for these two before we get too far ahead of ourselves? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Repo Man is uh, stars Emilio Estevez, who plays uh, a punk, like a 1980s punk. And he gets offered a, a job to be a Repo Man. And he's like, no way, fuck that. But then he gets taken in by the money. Uh, and then it goes off the rails. Uh I, I'm just going to be here all day, like describing these events, but it just, it goes kind of nuts. Um, Walker is about a guy in like 1845 or something like that. He's in general or something. I don't know. These there, military a positions. There's a technical term for what he is. And I like this movie, uh, Walker made me dive a bit into history. He's called a filibuster. Okay. A filibuster were a bunch of, like, crazy Americans that thought that America needed to be bigger and got in boats and and sailed down to, um, quote-unquote here, quotes, uh, savage countries, underdeveloped countries, in an attempt to make them new states of America. So he's like a, like, 
a weird pioneer, crazy, self-indulgent person yeah. who thinks that they're a revolutionary, but they're just a fucking nut. Like He's just an invader. He's just an invader. That's all it is. But they have this weird, you know, mentality about them that thinks that they're a revolutionary. Anywho, sorry. <laughs> Back yeah, on well, track. so that's his job. And he's about to retire from that and start a family with his wife. And, uh, but then she dies of cholera. And so he takes up this job where he is sent down to Nicaragua to liberate (laughs) Nicaragua. And much like Repo Man, shit just goes crazy. Like, yeah, goes off the rails. Would you say that that is fair to say things go off the rails for Walker. The film literally goes off the rails. Not like, you know, Repo Man is a bit kook, like is very kooky from beginning to end. There is a Mm. point in Walker where it goes off the rails. Like I cannot, that there is not a better way to describe it than that. It falls apart. As Walker's psyche is crumbling. Totally. Totally. Um, Yeah. Um, where do we, where do we want to start here? Like, I don't know where to begin. I can just talk about uh, both of these films forever. Why don't we start with Repo Man? Because I, uh, Walker's, Walker's a tough one to talk about. And I think talking about Rico, Repo Man will help us then talk more about Walker. Cause I think Walker is a more, actually a more interesting movie. You think Walker um, is more of an interesting movie? Yeah, I think I think Walker is a more interesting, complex film than Repo Man. Totally. Repo Man is like I, I really liked Repo Man, by the way, but I can see why this one can be eaten up by audiences and critics because um, it's like a safe, quirky Walker. Well, it's, like a, is it's like a cookie like, cutter cult film. Yeah, like it yeah, fits yeah, yeah. in the pantheos of those sort of movies that cinephiles love you know it has the the crazy like like how quotable like how quotable is repo man like the dialogue is just so zingy like just Mm. characters just say these like awesome lines and it just it just reeks of that you know indie cinema of like a little bit even ahead of its time like it it reminds me of that like 90s indie scene you know what i mean Mm. Um, yeah 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 for sure this is i'm pretty sure this was a this was his first film how do you, or no, he has, he has one, actually, yeah, this is his first feature film. I'm looking at it here and it feels like it in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like a guy who had a lot of ideas and a lot of talent and he was like busting to make a feature, you know, and then it sort of comes out like you can tell it's a first feature in a way, but by a guy who's very talented because it, it is, um, like a little, a little clunky. It's like, um, it's got your typical like first steps. He hasn't really nailed down, um, exactly how to like lace the thing through and into itself in a smooth way. Like I feel like he had done by the time he got to Walker. The through line of it is very amateurish. Like, yeah. the scenes and the moments in this film, I think, are golden. But, like, yeah. if you think about where the movie begins and where it ends, and you think about the through line, mm. it's fucking messy, 
right? Yeah, and and a, and a more talented filmmaker, or like not not more talented. I think that's a that's a that's more the wrong thing to say. Because, so yeah, a more experienced filmmaker could have made it a a less a less like a more seamless journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then would it lose its charm? I would, think so. So it's just it's like a it's like a perfect encapsulation of i guess punk like i don't mean i don't like i know that sounds pretentious right like to say something's punk and something's not this is a punk film yeah i mean like in spirit and uh, almost literally because the lead character is a punk you know like that Whatever the fuck those guys were doing in the 80s, you know, I've never been a fan of punks and punk music, um, but he's got that sort of like, huh? You're missing out there. Punk's great. It's cool. Fine. But, you know, he's got that sort of like, fuck you, fuck everything kind of mentality. And it's funny. um, But the whole film feels like that in a good way. Totally. Do you- um, and, hmm? Oh, no, no, continue. And um, Emilio Estevez, a guy who I have never liked in anything, I love him in this. Like, he's really fucking good. And it's in, this, it's in the small instances. You know, like, the way he, like, busts that can of beer open and tips it out onto the floor. There's just such a great energy there. And I think, it, I think that moment is really emblematic of what the whole film is like and not just the film itself, but probably the director too. Yeah. No, I agree. And, um, like if you were to watch a series of films, right. And in, in that series of films, Repo Man and Walker were in there. Do you think by watching Repo Man, you could tell that this guy made Walker as well? Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm. <clears throat> doesn't start out that way though I mean, mean Walker doesn't I don't think Walker starts out that way uh, I, I was worried he'd gotten boring when I first started watching Walker but that's not the case at all he just gotten more nuanced mm. because uh, Reaper Man is sort of like I don't know I, I've, I feel like it's kind of like an anti-movie in a way he, you know who he reminds me of um who? The, the Who's the guy that did Robocop? I forget his name. Paul Verhoeven? Yeah, very similar to uh, Paul Verhoeven. In this sort of like... There's a genuine love for movies, storytelling in general, and that he doesn't dislike cliches or typical tropes, right? Um, and he sort of plays around with them in a loving way, but isn't afraid to mock them at the same time. Does that make sense? I I know what you're saying. And I I can, I can, I can definitely agree with that in terms of when we talk, when we talk about Walker, but I feel like almost from the beginning, the audience is in on the joke with Repo Man or in on the, in on what it is. Like, you know, very well from the beginning, what you're getting yourself into when you watch Repo Man. Whereas with Walker, like Paul Verhoeven, it doesn't help you. It, it It's like you either get it or you feel like a fucking idiot. And 
that I think that's very Paul Verhoeven, where like, like uh, you know, we we watched that fucking um, that motorcycle movie by Paul Verhoeven. What is it, Seppers or something? And yeah. we argued about it, and we and you know, like, and we can argue about like what his intent was and all these things. But the more we argued, the more we realized that he knows, and that's all that really matters, right? And mm. you know, like, and when you get to when you gestate it and you think about it, it, it becomes clearer. Whereas I'd say that's the same with Walker. Like if you go in completely closed off, you're going to walk out feeling like an idiot and you're going to hate the movie and you're going to mm. think that he's a hack and that he's lost his way and he's insane and all these things. But with Repo Man, it's very, it's simpler. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not, yeah, I think nuance. When you said nuance, that's probably a good way of putting it. Like, it, it doesn't need to be... That movie doesn't need to be trying to pull the wall over people's eyes, where I think the fun of Walker is that it does, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I was just very curious. I think Repo Man reminded me, like, sticking with the Verhoeven comparison, because I, I still stand by that. Repo Man reminded me a lot of RoboCop in that a lot of audiences, uh, a lot of the audience and critics at the time RoboCop came out didn't understand that RoboCop was as much as it was fine to be a typical action movie. It was very critical and mocking of American action movies. Sure. And I felt like Repo Man, even though it was a movie that, people could enjoy and uh it kind of felt like a like a pop movie almost you know uh throughout the entire film i felt like it was just shitting on everything it could get it get its hands on you know it's it's just like the things that people can get attached to are like the the quotes you know, yep. these like these sharp, fun quotes that just keep popping out, like this fun energy that um, Emilio Estevez brings, these quirky characters, the the alien subplot, like it gets really uh, weird by the end. Subplot, and you can come the, out the being movie, like... The movie is pretty much a sci-fi, <laughs> like it, you know, yeah. like almost from the beginning, like the first scene in the movie, you have a... Look, a police officer get vaporized into a skeleton and a pair of boots, you know, like that, that's how the movie Sure, And opens. that happens throughout. And it's, and it's a lingering threat that is creeping closer and closer to our main character. But I felt like the main story, like the main chunk of the film was an exploration of this guy, like of this character, of his mentality. And that he starts out in, you know, with this, very rebellious fashion. Uh, he's like, no, fuck you. I don't want to be like you fucking repo man. Fuck society. Society's bullshit. And then you see him gradually shift and change his mind. Conformity, right? It's kind of about that. Yeah. And he, yeah. And he, he seems to be occasionally aware that he is changing. And then sometimes he's unaware and then he doesn't know if he's changing for the better or changing for the worse. There's times where you feel like uh, he's going to get more involved with this love interest. There's this girl who keeps popping up throughout the film. 
who he's quite nasty to in a stereotypical punk way. And based on his actions throughout the film, like taking his job more seriously, distancing himself from the, um, the older punk-like character, um, starting to see things in a different light, you know, leads you to believe maybe he's going to like settle down and become more of a conformist. I felt like the whole movie was like a character study of this guy who was meant to be a reflection of a certain sect of society that existed at the time and trying to understand their morals, their values, or lack thereof. And then the aliens are just kind of there. And I think if people hated Walker when it came out, um, but liked this, the only reason that people were accepting of Repo Man and dismissive of Walker is because Walker flipped it. Yep. Rather than the aliens being sort of placed front and center and, you know, the, the quirky shit being up front and all this more subtle character study stuff, you know, being something that you can dismiss if you're not interested in. Walker is very much about the man and all the crazy shit happens behind it you know what i mean totally i i I, it's like when you talk about like the conformity and the and like emilio estefez's character i think he very quickly conforms in the film like it's almost it's very it's a very sudden shift for him to go from no i'm a punk to i'm you know i'm i'm a repo man i work for the man now but it's almost the like surface, the film. Yeah. But the film doesn't let him know that. That's what I think is kind of cool and what's fun is the plot and all these elements are getting in the way of him conforming, and that's where and and to the end, like all the way to the end, where like it's not letting him do it. To the, like all he wants to do is deliver this car and get the money and become part of the system, and then the fucking car's glowing and he flies away in it. Like it, it like this yeah, film, and then tells the girl to fuck off. Yeah, and and this film is literally designed to stop Emilio Estevez's character from doing what he clearly wants to do and what society would want to do. And I hate saying society; it's a fucking dirty word now. Thanks, Joker. Um, what they what it wants him to do, and and I think that's what's so fun about it. You know what I mean? Is it's not it's not like a like it's literally like the form of the film is. Like you can see the strings and stuff in that way, and I and that's super fun, and that's what's fun about it, you know. Mm. Mm. Anywho, <laughs> um, I felt like the alien stuff was not like it's obviously a major part, but because it's such you know it's aliens, so of course you're gonna take note of it. But I really didn't feel like it was in it that much. Most of the time, it's. Emilio Estevez and the other dude driving around and talking like that totally. takes up it, it does so ramp much up. I of think, the film. I think like not not like not that the movie doesn't have like a flipping moment where like all of a sudden it becomes something else. It does. It, it's always present, but I but I would argue that the this the quote unquote subplot of the aliens does really kick into gear in the second half of the movie. Like as soon as everyone's after this car very much becomes about that and you still have all the interactions and all the the kooky characters and all these things that are happening but that's Mm. like halfway through it really does kick into this different film in that sense um 
because he's conformed. probably he's conformed like he is exactly what he didn't want to be and all these things so the movie itself at that point's like okay well we need to we need to go to 11 now like we really need to like bring this mm. forward to stop him from becoming the man you know yeah i think that's probably something that's so appealing about it as well is because if you hear that uh it's a movie about a you know a guy uh, like an average guy or, or you know just a punk kid whatever and then he gets caught up in an alien situation the the thing that first might pop into your head is that it's going to be like they live you know where it's v- the alien shit happens very quickly and then the movie is about that yeah but yeah it really isn't until we're like we're just with this guy and every now and again we cut a cut away to a different situation where there's an alien thing going on and then it catches up to him in the second half of the movie um which i think kind of th- throws a curveball at you and it's very refreshing because um it also allows for the alien thing to not ever get boring totally you're kind of it's kind of like you can see the train coming on the horizon and you're like, oh boy, it's going to, when it gets here. So I'm, I'm fine to sit in the car with Emilio Estevez and have these weird conversations because I know the aliens are coming. Yeah. It's whereas with Walker, it's like, what is going on? Yeah. Can something happen, (laughs) please? The, The, and then when it does, you're like, this sucks. Wait, what? Not think, me. I not liked Not you. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think, like the film, and uh, going back to like its punk roots, like you, you look at a conventional film, and you look at like the the standard structure, and you know, like people go by the the logic or the standard of like, how would I react to this situation? You know, like that that typical writing trope. Like, if an alien walked past you, you'd go, "Oh my god, it's an alien." The movie has a very punk flippancy to everything in the movie that's weird. Like, mm. it, it isn't in our world at all. Like, if if in the first third of the movie an alien walked past Emilio Estevez's character, he wouldn't care. Like, that that's mm. kind of the energy the film has. And I think that really lends itself to, th- th- like, the fact that this is sitting in, on the, in the back seat for the beginning, and even when it ramps up, it's... The characters aren't really reacting the way that you know, a character in a standard film would react. And that's mm. and that that's adding to the fun. Like, all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, there's just, like, fucking people in hazmat suits approaching the car, but not really trying. And then there's fu- they're <laughs> flying in fucking priests and fucking, um, what do you call them? The, the Jew- Orthodox Jewish, uh, what are they called? Um, no, no, no. Uh, you know, you know, the, 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 the ones with the curly sideburns. Yeah, you know, I feel, uh, you know, I, you know, we're Australian. We don't really have a large Jewish com- community, so I've only met a couple in my life. So, what are they called? The fucking uh, rabbis. Thank you. Like the rabbis are walking in, and yeah, just but no one really bats an eyelid to any of it. And I think that I think no. that's why it works. Yeah, you know? it's it's alleviating. You know. Yeah. The movie is like, 
It allows you to sit comfortably and say, hey, enjoy the show and don't take it too seriously. Okay, have fun. And you're like, oh, thanks, movie. And I had a lot of fun. But at the end of the movie, I was really high. And I don't mean high on drugs. I just like I was I just felt high from the experience, you know, and, you know, I just felt really good. uh, Yeah. Watching Emilio Estevez (laughs) flying over the city in the in the green car. I was laughing my ass off. It was but great, like, right? Not because it's so... Not because it's like a punchline moment, but it's just so silly. It's so absurd. But but it doesn't feel whole wrong in the, in, in, in the nature no, of the No, the whole film, movie's though, right? leading to this moment and it all makes sense. And it makes sense that this guy's flying a, a, around in a green car. <laughs> Which is mental to think about it, right? Like, explaining that as an ending to a movie to anyone. You know, mm. like, oh, it's about a Repo Man and all this stuff. That, you know, like... You, you, but when you're watching it, when you see it, it makes total sense for, for the, within the context of the rest of the movie. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say or should we dive into Walker? I'm keen to dive into Walker. Okay, so quickly, let, let's, just, let's just look at the timeline here. So... You know, in, in 1984, Repo Man comes out. He becomes a bit of a Khan darling or whatever you call it. People love the film. This guy can't do any wrong. He makes a movie that encapsulates punk. So the next movie he makes is Sid and Nancy, which is a movie about punk, right? Makes mm. sense. And then he and then he goes one step further, and in between uh, Sid and Nancy and um, Walker, he makes another kind of punk movie called Straight to Hell, which is a really small film, which from what it sounds like is an even more indie niche version of repo man in its form. And it stars a whole bunch of punks and it's got like Joe Strummer from the clash is like one of the leading characters and he does the music and you know that like he, he's really got his thing and then come 1987 and he makes Walker. Um, mm. Would you say that it's a very different film? <laughs> like, you know, like you, you, how, how does someone go from Repo Man to a true story? The movie lets you know at, on, in the opening frame that it's a true story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of uh, similar to Fargo in a way. It kind of mocks you with that. I think Fargo rips. So. I think Fargo may like. I think they got that idea from this. Yeah, like I think this say, is where the they got it. That- it's a little different because, like William Walker, the main character, was a real person, but. You know, I did some research after I watched it. This movie is so fucking inaccurate. Like, it is incredibly yeah. inaccurate. Well, it's... Yeah. But it tells you it's a by true story. It doesn't say movie, inspired by a true story. It yeah, says, by the, this is a true by, story. By the end of the film, though, you're not... You can't be possibly thinking that this is an accurate depiction. No, no. And, and even the, the stuff that... Even the stuff... And you could argue... Like, I could even argue that the stuff in the first half was even more inaccurate than the second half. How's that? Um, William, and this is what's fun about it and doing some research and I've come, I've come to a, like I had an epiphany about the film and I want to pitch it to you. So in the movie, William Walker is presented as hating slavery, right? At the beginning, I hate slavery. I would never Mm. believe in slavery, all this stuff. The real William Walker was a bastard. And the reason that he went to Nicaragua was because he was deeply embedded in the mentality of the South and he fucking loved slaves. 
He wanted to go yeah. somewhere where he could own as many fucking slaves as he fucking can. So he went and filibusted in Nicaragua to have slaves, right? So the whole premise that's presented at the first half of the movie is completely inaccurate. So completely fucking inaccurate. It's 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 laughable, right? Like but mm. hear me out. I'm pitching you this. Walker okay. is in essence a movie about William Walker made by William Walker. This is what would happen, right? This the first half of the movie is what would happen if Donald Trump made a movie about Donald Trump? It's kind of like that. That's how I I'm seeing I it. Agree. Like he narrates it. He's presenting himself as the only not idiot in the movie, the only character of pure, like paragon, you mm. know, beliefs, and you know, he's not a fucking moron that farts and is a fuck, you know, like fucked, right? He is the and, and they perfectly cast fucking Ed Harris as this kind of character, right? He's incredible in the he's film. He's incredible in the movie. Really, he's great. And he's the like he isn't presented as an idiot at all. And he's bullets ricochet like he just walks straight into fucking battles. Every other motherfucker mm. is getting shot to shit and he's fine. So it's like it's like if he made a movie about himself and that's what I love about it. It's this kind it's, of it's like it's like if he made a movie about himself, but then someone else interfered because... Totally. It is a lot like that. Um, I really like the un- unreliable narrator. Yeah. Um, that gets more and more unreliable. Yeah. But remains consistent. Um, but there, then there are scenes of him, him crying like a baby... Uh, him throwing tantrums where this persona that he's crafted for himself escapes. A lot of that really you know, happens like in the, the second half, though. Um, yeah, 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 sure. But um, it's still there and it's... Totally. Um, it starts to it starts to become more prevalent um, as he's... as his um, mental health starts to completely tear apart totally and then the film comes apart like there's, there's uh, an I'm actual literal to- turning point and like visual cue like him and one of the characters are standing on the beach and he says something about looking at the sunset and seeing his life or something do you remember this and then and the movie flashes and then mm. from the like actually i'm gonna get you to describe this what happens after that point in the film um, like, uh, if I think you're talking about what I think you're talking yeah. about, the he makes he executes the the president. Is that then? He they, they've won. Like they they've pretty much they're on the they've just pretty much won the battle, and mm. they've won the country. And I can't remember the exact quote, but William Walker's talking to one of his uh, side, like one of his sideies, and he's like, you know, like I see my future or something. And then there's a flash, and then from that point on, the movie starts I didn't to notice that. break down. I really, I didn't notice that 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 flash. Yeah, the- it's like looking at the sun, and then it, like that the movie does this weird double exposure thing, and then literally within a minute of that. 
the the seams start to to crack and um do you know do you know because like th- this is it's unbelievable like it's hard to explain but like what's like what are some what are some things that shouldn't be in this movie that, that show oh, up yeah okay so by the <laughs> it, it for me it really like he's he's gradually just like falling apart there are several stages where walker cracks like yeah. he's you know first of all his wife dies and mm-hmm. then he snaps but then he goes to Nicaragua and he's clearly losing his shit by the time it gets to the point where he has the president of Nicaragua executed then the film is just like okay now we just don't give a fuck anymore and modern technology modern for the time so modern 80s technologies and products start to creep into the film and I actually started writing them down because I wasn't sure whether um, everyone would pick up on it. Yep. Because at first, I first noticed it. Um, he has the president executed and then commands the newspaper guy to print the headline that he won the election. Right. And then they're all just kind of like, oh, uh congratulations mr president he's like thank you thank you and then it cuts to these other characters who are riding in a carriage and they're reading the paper and they're talking about oh walker won the election but they're reading a modern version of newsweek yeah and i was (laughs) and it it like it registered to me and i was like wait 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 what and then just as I really noticed what I was looking at, a fucking car <laughs> drives past. <laughs> like a modern car drives past Overtakes the carriage. Overtakes the carriage, and yeah. Yeah, and the characters aren't like, what the hell was that or anything? That shit just starts sneaking in. Then there's um, there's some more subtle versions of that. Um, Walker is doing a, a press conference and they're all standing around like the journalists and they're writing shit down and um oh uh, are you still there yeah i'm here oh okay sorry um and they're all you know writing shit down as they did back then but then there's a guy who's just holding a tape recorder and he's recording him (laughs) and i was like that's a fucking tape recorder i wrote that down i'm like oh i thought it was going to be more subtle but then there's like a dude on the beach drinking a glass of Coke with a packet of Malboros. And, and then he's almost like shaking the Coke bottle at the camera. And then there's a, there's a computer at one point, like a computer monitor that appears in the bottom right corner of um, the big main rich guy who's sent him over there. Um, and then by the end of the film, there's, there's a fucking helicopter that's flying around in Nicaragua and it just goes completely off the rails like that. It's it's crazy, right? If you, you know, if you're of, no, you go. Oh yeah. It's like, I can see how this can initially turn people off this film, but like, I fucking loved it. Like, I'm like, I I knew what he was doing. Like, uh, like, I just like I don't mean like oh no I got it I got what he was doing but like it's 
it became quite clear that he's talking just about America in general, right? And he's yeah. using this as a a prime example of America, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if people found it like I don't know why people could not stomach like critics why they couldn't stomach this. It's it's I film. It's it's art. I think this is like I said like for me Repo Man was his RoboCop mm-hmm. and this is his Starship Troopers. Sure. Where people are like uh what the fuck is this shit? You know, you think you think it's going to be one kind of film and then it just and then it kind of this still has that Repo Man spirit. The film just fucking flies off in a completely different direction. Something that they're not expecting, something that they're not used to, something that, yeah, makes you feel uncomfortable, but it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. He's saying, you should feel uncomfortable if 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 all this shit, all this stuff that this motherfucker is doing to people in Nicaragua, how all these people are behaving, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, well, here... I'm going to put a Coca-Cola in their hand. Now it's you. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, maybe you should feel uncomfortable. Naturally, people don't like that. <laughs> they say, get out of America. Go and make movies in Mexico, bitch. But yeah, I Go guess, back to I, Repo I, Man. I guess that's what fucking happened. And like you, you, and maybe, maybe it's like that weird American pride thing that happens. Because like the, when this movie was made... America was involved in yet another campaign to liberate and control Nicaragua. That was happening when this movie was made. Oh, and that's okay. why this movie was made. And that's why I'm like like laughing because that's what the film is about. It's about America unable to leave this poor fucking country alone. And he's he's he, he, he's not even being subtle about it. No. And that's what's awesome. You know, like if you have even like uh, a partly uh, politically observant brain, then you can watch this film when it still feels like it's attempting to be a typical period piece. And you could you could turn to someone and say, you know, there's actually a lot of similarities to modern day blah, 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 like you know, you can still see a lot of this stuff is going on, and you, you know what I mean. A lot of um, a lot of other filmmakers, lesser filmmakers, might I add, would have kept it period based, and the critics would have lapped it up and gone, you know, like, oh, Alex Cock is such a brave filmmaker for making a movie hmm. about a filibuster, and you know that there's a lot of parallels between what's going on in Nicaragua now and then, and they'd feel like little hoity-toity motherfuckers clapping, going, yeah, yes. They feel very clever. They feel very clever, but that the, the movie is designed not to let you do that. The, the movie is designed to make you feel uncomfortable because of hmm. shit that's actually happening now. And I yep. love it. I love this film. I actually, this is a real cult film. This is, this is something that was buried and the people that find it, I hope love it and I hope can appreciate it. But this movie has no audience, which is sad. Yeah, you know? it's really upsetting because, like I said, I didn't know which was the best and the worst. I assumed Repo Man was the worst. Uh, as much as I really do like that film, um, 
it in comparison to Walker, it feels immature. Totally. And amateurish. I was watching Walker and I'm like, oh, okay. So this one was the best because uh, this is a masterpiece. I love this movie. Alex Cox refers to this movie as his masterpiece. Yeah. He says this Dude, is his okay, best Dude, okay, cool. Film. It is. It's great. Yeah, he says this is the best movie he's made, and I can't like I have I've seen two of his movies. I haven't seen After, and and like I'm actually sad. Yeah, I still haven't seen Repo Chick. Maybe that will be uh, better than Walker. I think one. I think I might have to just eventually recommend later years Alex Cox just to see and just to know mm. what happened. But man, like you know, like you look at the reviews of Sid and Nancy and. It's it's a well-regarded film, and you look at Repo Man and you look at this. He was a pretty cool flash in the pan. Like, mm. this guy could have done anything, and if this movie had uh, the modicum of respect he deserved, it deserved, he would have. Full credit guy, to him for, for still thinking that this movie rocks. Yeah. You like, know, it ended his career in Hollywood, and... But he's still like, nah, that one was the best. Yeah, but it's not like it's not like a Richard Kelly where he's delusional and he's defending Southland Tales and talking about it non fucking stop on Twitter. Mm. This this is not a delusional person for thinking that. I think it's someone no. who hopefully is proud of the proud of the film for the right reasons and. Do you know what I mean? Like, not just being a stubborn asshole. Because you could imagine a lot of filmmakers being that stubborn asshole that their passion project is the one that they'll argue is their best when it isn't. But Yeah, they're un- unwilling to admit that the execution was poor. Like, with Richard Kelly, hey, man, maybe you had some great ideas going into Southland Tales. You were very ambitious. And uh, some of that stuff came out and, you know, it's still kind of fun. No, it didn't. That movie fucking sucked. (laughs) But you got to admit, Richard, it doesn't make any sense. It's very hard to watch. It's kind of shit. Mm. But with this, um, you know, and it it is, I've only watched it once, but I'm already like, I'm going to have to watch this several times. Totally. Because... It's it's masterfully constructed. It's also uh, it's also very funny. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like th- it's, there's it's one very moment funny. in this movie that like I rewound and watched twice, and I know it sounds dumb, but this movie is quite violent. Like there's a lot of blood. It's you can tell that like there's a western director called Sam Peckinpah. There's literally a scene where Walker's riding on his horse and the gravestone says Sam uh, Sam Peckinpah. Like, the, like it's literally in your face. It's very over the top. And there's a bit where one of the characters goes up to William Walker and he says, can I have a gun, please? Um, you know, like, I, all, the drummers are always the first ones that die in all these things. And William Walker's like, mm. under my command, you will be fine. And then two scenes later, they're walking into the town. The drummer's drumming. They're walking forward. The guns come out and it just, and then the guns shoot and all of them just shoot the fucking drummer. Like the first thing that happens is they just <laughs> shoot the fucking drummer and the camera holds as the drummer's like, ah, like just getting He's like, just getting annihilated, <laughs> fucking annihilated. And, and I, it's so funny. Like, like, and I, and I knew it was coming. Like, 
the you could just I could just tell that that's where it was going. And when when they paid off, and when that attention to detail on such a stupid little run of the mill little thing, yeah. I just cacked it. I just fucking cacked it and could not. It's. And there's moments of that all the way through the film, and 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 that's what's, and and you've got your straight guy Ed Harris, mm. juxtaposed with lunacy, and though that 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 chemical reaction is just magic, you know, yeah. like who else could have done this? Who else? There's like, some other characters surrounding Walker, yeah, that are like straight up. SNL characters totally. like they're so cartoonish like the French guy with his big crazy Michelle hair Michel that's the actor's name is like one of the actors that works he's like a he's like a improvisational um, theatre actor that's his thing he's like a part mm. of the theatre troupe community um, do you remember mm. in um, do you remember the professor who's like t- like narrating and writing in um Brewster McLeod, who turns into the fucking bird. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. That's him. Uh-huh. Oh, great. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's... Yeah, he's fantastic. He's great. And then, like, his brother, um, one of his brothers, the fucking pig-headed kind of sloppy one, was, like, played Beef, the guitarist who gets electrocuted in Phantom of the Paradise. There's all these awesome little character actors that, that throw themselves into these stupid roles. And when they're yeah. playing off Ed Harris, who, you know, arguably is probably one of the most serious-looking actors on the planet, right? He's always yeah, playing so a character serious. character who takes himself very, very seriously. And it just it just works. Like, the, the, uh, there's another bit that I can't help but mention where, like, they, 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 they're just like, okay, we're here and we need to be on, on our best behavior. And William's like, yes, everyone, you need to be on your best behavior. And he just turns around and then they're just fucking breaking everything like yeah they're, they're not just- even they're not even doing anything specifically it's just shots of them like running around and breaking shit and they just start randomly hitting people one guy like climbs into the sheep pen and he's like you can do better than that and he's like i'm gonna fuck this sheep <laughs> and walker's just like i'm gonna have to reel these men in yeah i know <laughs> Oh fuck! Oh fuck! It's so. Good. It's really fucking funny, but this is my and it's my favorite type of uh, humor in a film. Um, <laughs> all this like humorous moments are doing more than just telling jokes. Like one no. part that I found really funny was um, like Walker. This is well into the film, but like in the morning, like it shows Walker in bed next to this woman. And he's, like, in the fetal position, and he's crying, like, he's weeping. I think he's still asleep, but he's, like, weeping and trembling. And then the woman sort of starts to stroke him and and, and, um, and coddle him and treat him like a baby. And then he, you can see he wakes up, and he kind of likes that. And he still just kind of weeps. And But then outside, people are being flogged in the street. And then that distracts the woman. She goes over to the window and she's like, turns around. She's like, what the hell is this? And now Walker is like stood up and he's tying a little thing around his neck. And he's back to being all serious. And he's like, one must act with severity or perish. (laughs) Like right after he was just weeping like a little baby in bed. And it says so much about this character 
um, and the deterioration of his mind, his hypocrisy, but it's also a very, very funny moment. Oh, it's super funny. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's also part of the reason why, you know, it was so poorly received at the time because the film is directed with, um, with like a, with an emotional distance to it, but Mm. it, it takes these things seriously at the same time. Like he's unafraid to show the horrors of war of, of this invasion, um, the brutality of, of politics and all this like sickness and, um, you know, horror that empire causes. And he really gets into the, the tormented psyche of this character. He's not allowed, uh, he's not afraid to go into these, uh, very scary places, but he does it from a distance and makes fun of it. So he's, going into areas that are uncomfortable to do. And usually filmmakers, when they go into those zones, they, they treat it very delicately in order not to torment the audience. This guy happily does that. He's a true satirist at that, at this point, right? Yeah. He's like, look at how horrible all this shit is. Like he's showing some, the types of horrible shit that you would see in a movie like 12 years a slave, but then is like having these buffoonish characters running around like it's a a comedy and it is, but I just think that a lot of people can't really handle that type of satire. It's too dark. It's too weird for them. It feels too alien and distant. And that's why I love the film. Yeah, <laughs> like it's without yeah, it's that. Why I love it too. Yeah, like it, it's just a, it's such a unique experience. Yeah, and I it think may it make may make you uncomfortable, but he's not wrong. This may, in fact, be one of my favorite films. Mm. Strange to say, right? There's a lot, I'm with and I you watch there. a lot of movies, but I I think I'll be thinking about this for a long time. Like, yeah, you know, for um, sure. I mean, one- there's so many fantastic elements to it, and it's not just in how great the ideas are, but they're, they're executed with like such skill and it, and it all feels so effortless as well. Like the writing as well. I mean, he's, and, and this is what separated it, uh, from repo man for me, uh, in terms of its, in terms of his maturity and experience as a filmmaker is, the absurdity of this film and the the film all in itself is stitched together like in such a masterful way that you know uh, part of it may be luck as well like things just coming together but i mean um yeah, I forgot I, I, what I was going to say. To, I had I a point. To, I have to quickly just point out too and and I don't, we we don't talk about it too much on on the movie butts podcast but the music was really good as well like yeah yeah the the score was fantastic like there are bits where it's ludicrous and bombastic and like out of time 
And even before the movie starts to break down, the music just doesn't really fit, but it fits the film. But mm. then there's also this absolutely beautiful, I call it the Walker theme. You know, the, the Walker theme that I'm talking about, there's just this really nice, delicate piano piece that mm. from time to time when Walker's speaking or we're really seeing what, and, and this is from my interpretation, what Walker wants the audience to see or how the mm. audience wants to perceive him, there's this beautiful piece of piano music. And mm. like, I'm aware of it, you know, it, does, it doesn't just fade and I think that's such an important aspect of the atmosphere of the film too. Did you did you like the score as well? Yeah, and that actually like fits in with where I was going to go with that. Is that um, it's the, the with the narration in that how and the the score plays into that as well in how it's all about um, Walker's perception of himself totally that's why i'm and like it's a movie uh, like made by him about him to a degree yeah. yeah but it's all about it's all about characters who exist through the eyes of other people and that that's the most important thing to them the big boss guy the guy that sends him over there uh raymond's dad yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah he um, did the movie for free by the way Really? Yeah, Peter Boyle did the movie for free, which is crazy. That's so good. I know. I like hearing stuff like that. Um, yeah, so he at several points um, says little things like that, that, you know, clues you into that that's how he thinks as well, in that he exists through the perception of others. Um, when he's, like, really mad at Walker uh, a good amount into the film... He says, um, nobody will remember him. People don't remember losers. And that's what matters to him is how he will be recorded into history. And that's what matters to Walker as well. You know, he, the, the artist for the newspaper, he tells him to change it and make it look more victorious. And then the artist is like, but that's what really happened. He starts getting the newspaper to, like, write headlines dictated by him. It's all about the perception of others and, and, and them agreeing with the fantasy of himself that he's constructing in his head. A far cry from where he was earlier in the film, where the only thing he cared about is what the woman he loved thought of him. Mm. And then once she dies, that just sends him... He doesn't know where to put... Uh, his vision of himself and so he basically goes to hell like he becomes the devil and i'm not saying that without acknowledging the religious references that continuously pop up throughout the film i mean there's there's a painting of him uh as jesus at the you know that big That's dinner right. they had they have the, last the fucking supper. last supper di picture of him i forgot about that my god yeah I don't know. I still find that that first half and all his backstory se seems like him sitting at a typewriter and being like, how do I paint myself as as the underdog here? As the like, what's my hero's journey? And it's like him creating his own hero's journey in the story. That's, mm. that's how I see it. But it works on two levels. I agree there that like, 
you know, like he does, you know, like th- this does corrupt him and does make him this thing on one level. But you know, I, yeah. I, I, it, it all like even from the beginning, it seems quite conceited to me. And especially when you know history, like I don't know history. I, I learned this after watching the movie. Things became clearer. Like the way he expresses how he hates slavery just sounds so forced. Like I hate mm. slavery. God, how mm. dare you? Oh, I hate it. Like. It just, it seems so conceited and put on, you know? Yeah, I think it's, um, there's definitely a multitude of ways to watch the film. And I don't think any of them are wrong, though. I think they they work together, though, you know? Yeah, like, I feel very certain that when I watch this again, uh, it'll, you know, it'll sit differently with me. Like, Mm. it's it's very layered in, in, in multiple ways, too. Mm. I just don't understand why Roger Ebert thought this movie was shit. He's zero wrong. stars. He's overrated. Zero stars. Zero stars. That's zero. impressive, right? Zero stars. What an asshole. That's so fucked. Speaking of reviews, um, shall we read some good and bad reviews for uh, Repo Man and Walker? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just bring it up. Okay, <laughs> I was just read, reading the headline. <laughs> One out of ten. Repo this movie by <laughs> Skanklover sixty nine. How clever! From two thousand and thirteen. The years have been cruel to this film. People who like this movie must be caught up in nineteen eighties nostalgia. The acting, scripting, editing, and effects in Repo Man are now student film production quality at best. Apart from Stanton, everyone's performances, including Estefez, are high school grade amateur standard. The crew, everyone who made the movie, they all met at film school. This was like their f- the thing they did after they finished film school. Yeah, maybe that's what he's talking about. But like, this, ugh. Anyway. This movie starts out scratchy and ordinary and then rapidly goes downhill before dropping off the edge of a cliff towards the end. I think the description of reviewers that this film is absurdist is just a cover for its incompetence, poor choppy editing, and lazy scripting. It's an Emperor's New Clothes scenario. Oofed. What? How is it Emperor's New Clothes scenario? I have no idea. I think I don't think he knows exactly what that means. He just I thinks I don't that know means, what he means uh, by that at all. Being wrong. Um, you know, I think that I understand a bit the, um, the, the amateurish feel, but that adds to uh, the film for me. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's kind of part of it and not just a part of it. Like, oh no, it's, you know, charming because it's, you know, it's rejecting the conventions though. It's not, it's not, it's not like oh they're fucking up it's like no they're on purpose going out of their way not to do things and shoot it in a certain way i think it's very different and i think this guy's yeah, missing in the, the point spirit of the bit. movie yes and everyone's performances are like a little tongue-in-cheek just a little bit yeah and i think maybe that's what he's referring to that it's like yeah no one's trying to win an oscar here it's they're they're playing you know they're just having fun with it yeah and that shows in a good way to me. Man, I think it's effective. So, wrong bitch, dumbass. <laughs> cool. Okay, this is a 10 out of 10 
by Mother of All Opossums. A punk rock science fiction B-movie comedy of the highest order. By the time I got around to seeing this movie, I was prepared for something great. One of the best movies I'd ever seen. I wasn't really disappointed. Repo Man is so original. Wait, so he was funny, prepared. So- they were prepared for it to be the best movie they've ever seen before they watched it. Yeah. Wow. And then they weren't disappointed. And Isn't that were- great when that happens? Oh, that has course. happened to me like maybe twice in That's my life. That's never happened to me in my entire life. Expectations being met. <laughs> Gosh, um, I, want, I want this guy's life. Repo Man is so original, so funny, so weird, and so frequently brilliant that it just can't be ignored. It also has aged fairly well. It looks pretty good in 2004 for a cheap cult film of the 80s. I can't really say much about the storyline without giving it away, but what I will say is a young punk kid is taken into the weird, wild world of Repo Men, who all take speed and keeping the Repo Man honor is more important to them than to mafia bosses. It also features a brilliant soundtrack with the likes of punk rock icons Iggy Pop, The Ramones, and The Circle Jerks. A brilliant film, recommend to anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have to... I, like, I, I guess they're kind of missing the point of the film there. They seem to be very surface level with their enjoyment, which is interesting for someone whose expectations were met. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, good for them. Uh, that, that did remind yeah, well, me... just like... They that- want it to... And it's, I think, why a lot of people like this movie and don't like Walker is because it, uh, the movie feels like you're listening to a punk rock song, you know, totally. you can like bob your head to the movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then it, it's anything pretty, else it's, it makes you beyond feel that, you're content. just like, yeah, good. Um, I, that just reminded me of my favorite bit of the movie where they're in the nightclub and all the bands playing and, um, Emilio Estevez is like, I used to like these guys and the band's just like, really shittily playing music and scat singing <laughs> and then like at the end of the scene just like without any effort the band singer's like scooby-da-bop scoop-da-bop and then the scene just ends <laughs> i don't know why i did that just made me laugh heaps <laughs> that actually that reminded me of something that happens in walker that made me laugh um it's like right near the beginning of the film like they lose some battle that's happening at the beginning of the film and then you cut to walker sitting in a fancy room with a bunch of other fancy looking people and there's um some people playing instruments and they're playing the violin and they're playing classical music but they're playing it really poorly and it sounds like shit yeah but no one in the scene acknowledges it yeah it's just they just carry on (laughs) yeah I kept waiting for someone to like turn around and be like, stop playing if you're going to play like shit. But they play a whole song on the violin and uh, it sounds like shit. And they just, and then the movie they start keeps playing going. the piano and it sounds terrible. No one acknowledges it. It's just terrible music playing. Um, <laughs> I really liked that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. okay. Walker reviews. So this is a 10 out of 10. A Cult Movie in Search of an Audience by Johnny L. This is in 1999. Alex Cox's Walker is a cult movie in search of an audience. Ignored by audiences upon its original release, despised by critics, Leonard Moulton unfairly gives it a bomb. Walker is nonetheless a fascinating oddity of a movie that will be of interest to anyone who likes psychotronic cinema. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of psychotronic cinema. I am something of an expert on William Walker, 
The Nashville-born doctor lawyer journalist who made his mark on Latin American history as a filibuster or soldier of fortune as such, I have long wanted to see a movie about my hero. I admit I was disappointed at first with Cox's film. It starts out as a serious biography. He's a hero? (laughs) Is this a joke? Hero is in quotation marks. Right, because he's no, he's like re- recognized in history as like one of America's biggest idiots. He's up there with General Custer. Right. I don't know anything about history, so okay. You said General Custer, and I'm like, I think I've heard that name. General Custer is the the only American general to lose a major campaign against the Native Americans. Ah, oh, okay. Mm. Well, anywho. Uh, whatever. Maybe he's being sarcastic. I guess so. He has to be because that's dumb. Um, or he some likes of the slaves. Humor is, some of the humor is over the top and gels uneasily with the more serious aspects of the film. <clears throat> Sometimes Wrong. I get the feeling that Cox and company just said, to hell with it. Let's make this a big joke. Repeated viewings, however, have revealed the film's strengths. Is this a 10 out of 10 strengths. review? Yeah. I think he's getting into it now. Okay. Ed Harris is perfect as Walker. He plays the grey-eyed man of destiny, exactly as I perceive the man's character to be. The supporting cast, full of familiar faces, is also dead on. The music by Joe Strummer, formerly of The Clash, is a terrific blend of Latino, jazz, country, and other styles. Many individual scenes stand out. The climax, in which Walker orders the sacking of Granada, is a nightmarish image of the madness and horror of war. I feel Walker is bound to become a major cult film. It is quite simply too strange to be anything else, and it deserves more than oblivion. While others remember Cox's Sid and Nancy and Repo Man, this picture is far more interesting and deserves more attention than those more celebrated works. Walker is rarely televised and hard to find on video, but I strongly urge anyone who reads this to seek it out. I promise you won't have seen anything else like it. Yeah! Yeah, and it's such a shame that this he wrote this in 1999. This guy's ahead of the curve. Or he's William Walker who got in a time machine and went to 1999 <laughs> and wrote a review about his own fucking movie. Because yeah. the first half of the review sounds like William Walker wrote it. Yeah, Because the only hero, hero, the only person that William Walker is a hero to is William Walker. You know? I agree with that review. Yeah. I it's such a too. shame that like this is so hard to find. It's 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 like I said. It's like lo- like this movie is lost. This is a lost mm. film. Because whether you even whether you like it or not, you should watch it because it's interesting. It's different. You know, it's someone who's really trying to do something. <sighs> okay, one out of ten. Greatest fart in film history Oft. by K Sen fourteen in two thousand and six. Warning, spoilers. Oh, I bet they're going to fucking hate that a Coca-Cola shows up. Yeah, they're going to hate it. <clears throat> it's not very often you get to watch a truly awful historical movie that is at the same time monumentally entertaining as a guilty pleasure. What? But here it is. I challenge any soul on this earth to even so much as make it through the first scene between Ed Harris and Peter Boyle when Walker asks Cornelius... If he's entitled to wear a naval uniform, Boyle cranks, I'm entitled to do anything I want, and then rips a sound-edited 
Tid and enhanced fart so loud and obnoxious it wouldn't have made it into an airplane movie. I laughed. Yeah, I that was, it was funny. funny. It was very. Funny. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I think that the fart was deliberately obnoxious sounding. Yep. It was an obnoxious um, fart. It was a man proving that he can do whatever he wants and then, like, r- lets yeah. off a big ripper, you know? It was a deliberately comical-sounding fart. Um, you'll rewind it ten times at least just to hear it. The rest of the movie is equally disastrous. D- but I'll write no more spoilers. That's not a spoiler to say someone farts. <laughs> Truly a gem. Ed Harris needn't carry himself so conceitedly in Hollywood given this skeleton in his closet. Okay, so this guy thinks that this movie is so bad that it's good. But he's giving it a 1 out of 10? Yeah, because it's like the same way you'd give The Room 1 out of 10. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Weird, weird Sorry, guy. Sorry, brother. Weird guy. You're, you're stupid. You're very dumb. You... You have a fucking baby brain. I was, I was hoping that I, I was hoping that we'd at least get someone who hates it for the right reasons. Do you know what I mean? I don't think like, anyone. I don't think anyone hates it for the right reasons. I think no, anyone no, no, who in hates their own this head, movie. Like I, I want, I want someone to defend not liking this movie, not the cop out answer of "Oh my god, it's so bad. I love it. It's funny." No, I don't think anyone would hate this movie. Uh, in any reasonable manner. I think it's the same if you read any bad reviews for Starship Troopers. It's just all people missing the point. Sure. Yeah, but like at it's least... Just, no, no, no. But then at least that's them resting on their laurels and standing on the hill that they're going to die on. I would have preferred mm. a one-star review that was along that line than someone who's... Co- who, the cop-out argument of that it's so bad it's good. I hate that. I hate that so fucking much. Yeah, you want to hear someone being like, "This, this is just it breaks all nonsense. the rules of cinema. It's awful. It's yeah. narcissistic. It's bleh. that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, I wanted the, I wanted there to the... be va- validation for why people didn't like it. Not yeah, not this shit. Anyway, did I did read you what? read the Edward? What's his name? Um, Roger Ebert review. I did. What did he say? Do you want me to get it up? Yeah. Give me a second. Um, I don't. I don't like Roger Ebert. I think I mean, Roger. I, I like. I, I. He's right sometimes. Like anyone, he's a human being. Uh, he's wrong sometimes, and he's right sometimes. Yeah. What I mean is, I just don't like the the reverence that so many people have for him. He's a fucking film critic yeah but uh, but that, that you can say that almost about anyone um no, some bad I... movies are in no hurry to announce themselves but walker declares its badness right from the opening title with gushes of blood streaming from wounds of men who are appearing the opening scene credits promises us in a true story the story takes place in nicaragua nicaragua in the age of the robber baron and loosely concerns the efforts of cornelius vanderbilt and his associates to make central america safe for pondering that is not what the film is about at all their plan includes the support of william walker an american soldier of fortune who's consumed with yet yeah, he's just writing i forget he's just reading the f- saying the fucking plot. Walker is played in the film by that fine actor, Ed Harris. 
who is done in by the script, the direction, and certainly by the agent who negotiated his presence in this travesty. Another actor who needs a new agent in a Marley, Marley Martin uh, agent is Marley Martin, last year's Academy Award winner for Best Actress, who follows up her triumph in Children of a Lesser God with a role that is dem- demeaning, which is a demeaning travesty, playing Walker's deaf wife. She employs sign language to make such statements as to hell with Manifest Destiny before she dies incredibly at the end of the first reel. I like that she was deaf. I like that interaction with sign language. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Did that, your... I don't want to read the rest to be, of this review, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I don't were there it. supposed to be subtitles in that? Because I, I liked that they weren't. I didn't get any subtitles. Um, and yeah. I, I, and, I can't, and you knew what was going on. And, then when, and the things that I didn't know... William Walker said out loud. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I felt like that was on purpose because it's a great scene um, between him and his deaf wife. They're doing sign language to each other and there's no subtitles, but you understand the dynamics of the the argument and what's happening. Mm. Um, I thought that was great. I thought it was very effective. And more importantly, I thought it was original. I thought it was... I thought it was how about this? I thought it was brave. It is so difficult to do something original, even if you don't have the forces of money commanding you to not. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to do something original because it hasn't been done. It's very likely that it's not going to come out well. And people are going to hate it. Yeah. Gonna, I need to read That's- a little bit of Roger Ebert's review here because I found a bit that I find interesting. This mm-hmm. film uses anac- uh, anachronisms, guest stars, uh, kytoric poker-faced heroes, and utterly pointless scripts, and, and an utterly pointless script. And the film suffers excruciatingly from the absence of funny material in the holes that have been provided for same. Like what? It what is funny. Just say you didn't get it. Yeah, just say you, know, you didn't get it. That's the problem with being a professional film critic is because they can't ever say, not for me, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. It went over my head. He yeah. has to have the right opinion. Justifying why he didn't get it. And that's so bullshit. Robert Altman, like, my favorite no, filmmaker. Here's what the film is. I'm telling you what the film is. Is but the film that's is why I don't obvious. like Roger Ebert. It's quite that's- obvious what it's about, though. This isn't that difficult to understand. I think it's probably difficult for Americans, honestly, because, like, I remember watching Starship Troopers as a kid, and I didn't get it because I was a child. I th- I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, "Yo, cool! It looks like a video game. I want to watch that." So I rented it from uh, Blockbuster or Video Easy, whatever it was. And um, my mum sat down to watch it with me. I think she was a bit like, uh, we'll see how violent this is. And then we'll see if you can finish watching it. I got bored of it. because you got bored of it? It's a, yeah, it's a terrible action movie on the surface. It's just droll and stupid. But right. that's the point. But I was a child, so I didn't understand it. And so I just started playing my Game Boy. My mum watched the whole movie and she was saying how funny it was because she's like, oh, yeah, it's about how stupid Americans are. Um, I, just I didn't realize epiphany. until like I was in my I didn't realize until I was in my 20s that 
people in America didn't get that. It's you because know, they, you know, they're you know, so in their bubble that they don't get movies like that and they don't get movies like this. This like, movie wasn't made. Walker was made by someone from England. Paul Verhoeven yeah. is from Denmark. Yeah. Do you See, think an American wouldn't make a movie like this? Do you think like there's this? a resentment for someone who is international pointing the spotlight on American culture and the American mentality? Do you think that inherently critics and audiences resent that? Like, it ha- that has to be what it is, right? They just resent it. I think a l- I think a little bit, but even if an American made a movie like this about America, there are a lot they of wouldn't examples. like it because, yeah, but the movie, um, the movies that are critical of America that Americans like are films that imply that, yes, we may have had a more than troubled past, but my God, our principles still stand and we are on the mend, baby, and we are still America. This movie, Movies Walker's like this the opposite say, of that. You it's- should all be ashamed of yourselves. You have nothing to be proud of. Sit down. No, but specifically Walker talks about, like, it's pointing a light on America is exactly the same America it was in 1887 or whatever the fuck, whenever the Walker, William Walker took it over. It's literally, literally not subverting, like in a subvertive way. It is literally showing you that what is happening now is what's happening back then and America are fuckwits. Americans are fuckwits. And they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. They fucking hate it. You can say that it was founded um, in a extremely shitty and way. There go all of our American listeners. Bye bye. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like you're allowed to say it was founded in a shitty way, or that bad things happened, or that bad things still happen, but it has to come with the implication that Americans are inherently good and that they are actually superior and they're and it's it's so good of them to want to mend the past you know this this a film like this shits on that idea and 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 you know is like you should feel bad yeah if you don't feel bad you should feel bad and you should feel uncomfortable so of course roger ebert is like oh this movie is poor poorly written these actors should get better agents and then he's kicked out of hollywood because no 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 that's not how we do it here yeah it's fucked up it's making me sad actually i entered this episode of movie butts really positive and happy and excited now i'm just fucking (laughs) depressed (laughs) thanks thanks america fuck you (laughs) oh god anywho um shall we wrap up yeah. Okay, so um, what are your final thoughts and fart ratings for Repo Man and Walker? Uh, give, I'm going to give Repo Man a nine. Yeah. Nine. It's such an enjoyable movie, like, and it's such an easy watch. You can, um, you can watch it again and again and you don't get sick of it. It it's really is like movie, listening. Right? Yeah, it really is like listening to a good song, you know, like you can just put it on and it's, you know, and it's good and it's got, um, you know, it's got more going on than, uh, you know, than on the surface level, but it doesn't rub that shit in your face. It has something Um, to say as well. 
you know? Yeah, exactly. But it's not, it's not overbearing with its message. Um, Walker, on the other hand, like rubs your face in that shit. Uh, and I love it for that. I'm giving that one a 10 farts because it's an original movie and it's you, I think you always have to give extra points to a movie that's trying to be original and all the original ideas are executed so well. And, uh, it's so rare to see that happen. Uh, I really think it's a masterpiece. I loved it. Yeah. Um, for me, Repo Man is eight out of 10 farts. Um, you know, a perfect first film, a great exercise in indie cinema. It's fun. It does have something to say. It's quirky, has all the great elements. It doesn't really have enough that resonates with me in a way on that deeper level that like pushes it into that top category for me. Um, it's a fun film. It's a safe, easy film, which is funny to say because it is quite radical in a lot of aspects. But, um, mm. but yeah, no, I think eight out of 10 farts is pretty, pretty good. Um, Walker, 11 out of 10 farts. I fucking love this movie. Um, if you got to this point in our episode without hearing why we both fucking love it, I'm not going to go over it again, but it's unique. It's fun. It has something to say. It's abrasive. All the elements work. Um, and yeah, I fucking love it. Cool. Um, so Dane, before you recommend what we're watching next week, what are you nominating for the, uh, movie butts hall of fame? I'm putting you on the spot here. You need to come up with something out of nowhere. What do you think? Yeah, I got to No, I thought about that oh, you one. You thought about it. Fuck you. Yeah. How dare you be I just never think prepared? about the, I just never think about the films to recommend, but yeah, I'm gonna like, what else could it be? It has to be Southland Tales. Oh, I hate you. Look, we went from, like, Ben Affleck, who was literally the messiah of cinema. His acting is great. He's a perfect human being and an alcoholic. And then what you're recommending one of the biggest piece of shits we've ever watched on this fucking podcast. It's definitely something that we need to hang in the hall. Whoa, I don't know. I feel like we're the, on- very we're near the only and place the in which Southland Tales has gotten this much airtime. Like, it doesn't belong anywhere. <laughs> it belongs in the fucking $2 bin at Sanity. That's where it fucking I belongs. Think, I think we've spoken about Southland Tales more than any other film. We we it had a, we had a, We had one of our ranking episodes, and I swear to God, a solid fifth of that episode was me and you arguing as to whether or not it goes in the fucking bin which is where Anytime it, it comes up we just start talking about it again no, like, um, no i need to we're gonna watch that together and i'm gonna just point yeah. at the screen and go see see yeah and, and i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep pausing it and we're gonna keep getting into arguments it's gonna be an 11 hour screening oh god cool okay well welcome to the fucking movie butts hall of fame richard kelly see god Anywho, um, what are we Congrats. what are we watching next week? What's on our What's on our um, agenda? I wanted to watch the best and the worst of Charlie Sheen movies. Lead lead performances of Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Any particular era, or just like from from fucking the eighties all the way to now? Oh, uh, I didn't know he was in that many movies. Yeah, he was a huge do. star in the eighties, and he was in a lot of movies like Major League and Navy Seals and shit. And then recently, uh, 
I think he's he, he was in a Roman Coppola movie. The, let's the, do the whole shit. Let's do all of then it. We'll, then we, yeah, because then we might get something from the 80s and then something from like 2011. Look, I'm not going to complain about having to watch Major League, the fun baseball movie that he's in. Uh, I won't, if that's the best one, that's cool. Cool. Okay, let's. Uh, next week we'll be watching the best and worst of fucking all of Charlie Sheen's movies. Apparently, um, thanks, Dane, for the for the math assignment that you've given me. And um, talk to you guys next week. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.